What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome to the GOAT District, where we bring in the VIP guests, the biggest winners, the biggest players in fantasy. And guys, it's it's that time. We spent all offseason like getting you guys prepped, bringing in the guests, the winners. We had $750,000 winners, $200,000 winners, just big money winners talking about how they're playing the game throughout the offseason at different stages. You know, whether you're drafting redraft, dynasty, everything's been done, man. You made all the moves. You might have a few drafts left trying to sneak some in, you know, before that the kickoff on Thursday. And you might have some trades left to make. And that's what we're going to do tonight, guys. We bring in two big bangers. Obviously, they've been on the district before. And we're going to dive into some, you know, we, we call them the traps. Guys, you want to avoid. So smash the like, smash the subscribe. We're going to bring it like we do on the regular. Guys, grab your beer, grab your pen and paper those shoes because we about to dance. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasy Len? Whoop. Welcome back to the district. Hopefully, you guys can't hear the pounding rain above my head because <laughs> we're just getting pelted up here uh, in the, the GTA. Dan, how you doing, brother? Big show tonight. One of our favorite shows. We were, we were talking before we came on with a couple of our favorite guests uh, returning on the district tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just this this is such a great show to do, and it's it's so timely. And uh, you know, the the guys that we have on tonight are just as sharp as they come. Uh, you know, they, they they may not be the biggest of household names, but I guarantee you, anybody who's playing uh, some high stakes fantasy knows who these guys are. So, uh, gonna be a, gonna be a great show, and we're gonna get a lot of good nuggets today. For sure, guys. Like I said in the intro, smash the like, the subscribe, help the show out. We keep bringing the goodness. Tonight is no difference. We want to get you ready. I know you've got those, you know, two or three more drafts in you. And uh, it, while you're setting up your lineups for week one, for sure, you're looking at trades to, to you know, maybe you got some ticking tie bombs on your on your roster. And tonight we're going to talk about those with two of our favorite guests, Dan. And you said it, you know, maybe not the biggest household names, but I know this man that we're going to bring in first. Uh, one of our most downloaded shows before we, we got onto the YouTube machine. 
Noah Riddell, welcome to the district, brother. I'm happy to be here. I've been uh, in Yellowstone for the last week and a half, two weeks, and uh, did a lot of hiking, did a lot of mountain climbing, had a really nice summer overall, more laid back than most of the summers that I've had. So glad to be back home and uh, able to do a little bit of fantasy stuff at the end to wrap up the season before, uh, before we get actual NFL kicked off. Yeah, and we, we appreciate you joining us again in the district for, uh, like, you know, Dan and I's one of our favorite shows for sure, uh, talking the traps, you know, going into the season. And and our other guest, Dan, you know, again, you know, he he, he likes to, to drop some shockers out there in, in Twitter land. He likes to talk a bit of poker. Both of these guys, big, big strategy guys and uh, just great follows on in Twitter land, not only for fantasy, but for uh, you know different different things that we talked about uh, before we came on the camera, Mister Hilo, welcome back to the district, vet brother. What's going on, gents? Appreciate having me back. That was a lot of fun last year doing the show, and looking forward to it again. So, shout out to the Goat District. It's a trap. <laughs> there it is, boys. You're going to be hearing it a lot tonight. So smash the like. And, and if you're watching right now in the comments, tell us your avoids. Tell us, guys, that you're, you know, you've been dodging all offseason, uh, especially now with, with some of the, the news, whether it's injuries, guys getting cut, um, you know, a lot, a lot of bullets to dodge out there in, uh, in fantasy land. Guys, let's get right into it. Again, if you're make sure you're following these guys at Noah Riddell, N-O-A-H-R-U-D-D-E-L-L. And then our boy Hilo H I L O W F F on the Twitter machine. What up to Kev and Ben in the uh, the chat? Always there to to support. We appreciate you guys and and keep dropping the comments and the questions, guys. I'm gonna go to you first, um, Noah. Today, uh, you, you know, you joked before we came on board uh, or on board on on air about two of your your guys that you had ready for tonight's show and their stock kind of, you know, changing today. And that's what we love about the NFL, right? Always, yeah. always uh, keeping us on our toes. So if you want to touch on that now, uh, let's get right into, you know, the New Orleans situation. Latavius Mary, I'm sure, you know, you got the zero RB squad, uh, you know, are probably loaded up with, the, with some Murray action. Uh, how were you feeling about him before today's news? And how do you feel this affects his shares in Fantasyland? Well, so he was going to be one of my it's a traps just you know, because he's one of those guys people like to pick up as a later running back that they think they can get some weekly starts out of and uh, you know, even have a little bit of upside with Alvin Kamara potentially missing time you know, at some point during the season. But for me, he was an avoid because – he wasn't going to be the guy. In fact, I thought that he was either going to be cut or he was going to be inactive on game days in order to save salary towards the salary cap because he had already pretty much lost his his job to, to Tony Jones Jr. So Tony Jones was going to be the guy over him anyway. And so, you know, Latavius Murray was going around the ninth or tenth round in drafts when he was more likely to be inactive on game day than he was being a contributor to your fantasy roster. So I was going to have him as one of my avoids, but now um, he's been released. So I think that if you are 
someone who owns Latavius Murray, you know, your ideal situation is maybe he lands with the Chargers, for example. I think the Chargers is one of the better fits for him because we know that the Chargers don't really view Austin Eckler as a goal line back. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, and he even has said that he d- doesn't really fit that role very well. And, you know, the Chargers have recently brought in Lombardi to be their OC, and he's, you know, got a lot familiar with Latavius Murray from New Orleans and is probably looking for some, you know, similar utility because they really don't have a good goal line back on the Chargers right now. And so I, I think that that would be a good fit. Um, not sure that there are many other good fits out there, but I think that if you own Latavius Murray, that's probably your best hope for salvaging some value there. Mark, any preferred destinations or thoughts on where you think Latavius lands and what's the ripple effect for you uh, with the Saints dropping the uh, the running back today? Yeah, with Latavius in particular, I don't think it really matters where he lands. Um, he's very unlikely to have any utility. I mean, he's showing, finally, he's showing the signs of his age and the wear and tear that he's had over the course of his career. Um, he would be more of a depth piece and like a change of pace minus wherever he went. Um, and he would have the potential uh, to land as a goal line back if he landed in, you know, at the exact right spot. But other than that, like I'm not really worried about where he's going uh, or what he's going to do. Uh, it's really unlikely to affect a backfield uh, very heavily. <laughs> Wheeler just drops that he old. Uh yeah. You know, Dan, I, I kind of had a bit of hope just with, with this the passing situation being iffy out in in uh, New Orleans. What were what are your thoughts on the move uh, for the you know for the Saints or the ripple effect, as we say, and uh, any hopes on where Latavius lands? Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with on Latavius. I just don't think that he's going to really have a great deal of value. I mean, you might you know you might have a good game or two out of him but uh you know good luck trying to predict when those are and that's even if he lands in a decent situation uh, so i i'm sure that uh when the injuries start hitting somebody's going to sign him up and uh you know get him in there but uh he's not going to be probably very high priority for me and uh tony jones i mean you know he he certainly looked like he had more juice than latavius though you know again we're kind of saying that's a low bar to uh to cross so you know, exactly how much you would get behind Kamara. Uh, you know, I think Kamara is going to get all the work he can handle for sure. And, you know, this just helps solidify Kamara as one of those, you know, top three running backs, really. Uh, and Tony Jones, I mean, you know, if something happened to Kamara, uh, I'm sure he would get a, a fair amount of work. But, um, you know, I don't know that he's going to have standalone value. And if something does happen to Kamara, I would be looking for the Saints to probably make a trade if, uh, you know, the trade deadline hasn't passed by that time. Guys, tomorrow night, I know it's all your favorite, my favorite night uh, of, of the week as we go into the season with waiver wires a la FFPC. Uh, is, is Jones a guy that you're putting some of that fob helper or audience out a bit here? Uh, is this something that you're trying to get ahead and, and maybe – hit on something early in the season or are you going to pass uh, and sit back uh, to see where this, this running game goes? I think Tony Jones should definitely be rostered. I mean, if he's out there on waivers, you should be picking him up. I mean, if, if you were doing a fantasy draft right now, he would probably go in the 10th round, maybe the 11th round yeah. of fantasy yes. draft right now. So a player going there is really a player that should be on somebody's roster. Um, 
you know, he's kind of in that tier, maybe close to maybe just behind Tony Pollard as a guy that is going to get some work week to week, but then also has potential upside if something happens to the starter ahead of him. So you know, he, he should definitely be on somebody's roster. And if he's out there, he's worth a waiver ad, but I wouldn't necessarily throw all of my money at him. Not like, you know, if you're trying to go get Gus Edwards, if Gus Edwards were available when J.K. Dobbins went down or anything like that. But, you know, he's, he's a reasonable speculative pickup. Let's go to anything to add, guys, before we go to, to Tampa. I would just caution on uh, bidding too aggressively on Tony Jones. He's, uh, you look at his athletic profile compared to Kamara, and who would not be like a direct replacement. Uh, so he would be a guy that it profiles a little bit better towards the goal line um, and more of a straight line runner, which is almost counter the way that the Saints have built that offense uh, and that offensive line. That offensive line is the best offensive line in football for getting to the second level uh, and for creating those run lanes in the second level. So a um, little bit less dynamic of a back and uh, likely to have far less utility than a guy like Gus Edwards, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, if something happened to Kamara, they would definitely mix in Ty Montgomery some for passing downs. It wouldn't mm-hmm. become, you know, a bell cow situation for for Tony Jones, but he would still be a guy that would be a weekly starting running back if anything happened to Alvin Kamara. He wouldn't be as high end as Tony Pollard would be if Zeke was injured, but he would still be a weekly starter. Yeah, I think like 16 to 18 touches with goal line. Yeah. Dan, T-Bay, Dallas, Thursday night, the the Buck receivers, for some reason, from my perspective, uh, feel like a voids for a lot of people this offseason. I, I don't know, uh, maybe because one wasn't around, or maybe they weren't around as much on the field together and, and people have a, a fear with, uh, you know, those targets being split up. Just with Godwin dealing with a bit of a hiccup health-wise right now, I thought we could just quickly go around. Uh, Dan, give us your thoughts on you know, Godwin, the two receivers in Tampa, um, or, or any avoid specifically in that offense? Yeah, I don't really have any avoids in the passing game there in Tampa. I think uh, Tom Brady is going to be lighting it up this year. Uh, Tom, is, Tom Brady is one of my absolute uh, favorite Dan quarterbacks to acquire. Dan <laughs> yeah, loves got, Brady. I got Brady all over the place. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, anything that makes Godwin a little bit cheaper, uh, you know, in these, these final, you know, few days of drafting, I'm all about that. So um, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a, you know, kind of an injury discount there if I can. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, you know, probably justifiably concerned about uh, Antonio Brown cutting into uh, Godwin's, you know, targets and, and uh, production as well. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there's room for the, all three wide receivers, uh, you know, plus a tight end and, you know, even a, a pass catching back. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to tell week to week. I mean, I love the, getting those guys at best ball um, and in managed leagues. Uh, you know, I probably got Mike Evans ahead of Godwin anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take that discount on uh, Godwin if it's coming. All right. As I get dumped on over here, hopefully, again, it's not too loud. Uh, Dan, is it? Is it, like, super loud, or are you guys? No. Okay, no, good. Just a little, a little fuzzy, not bad at all. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't have any concerns on the Bucks passing game. Um, I, I think that Tom Brady, if we, want, if we want to get a hot take out of the way. I think... oh. 
Oh, no. Rose, right when the hot take comes. <laughs> yeah, right. This, we so we didn't hot. set this up, guys. This was not a setup. Smash the like to get the answer. <laughs> we'll we'll get it back on here in a second. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think, uh, Mark, on uh, on the Tampa Bay passing game while we're waiting for Noah to come back? Yeah, I'm not um, at all worried about the Tampa passing game. The only th- issue is you have to realize that it's going to be they're going to come with high variance week to week, specifically with the wide receivers. You know, talk about Godwin, talk about um, Evans. These guys are are going to see 12, 14 targets some weeks, and then the next week they're going to see four to six. Um, so better targets and best ball if you are drafting them as your wide receiver two in managed leagues. It's much um, it's better to do so with a volume wide receiver one, um, as opposed to, I see a lot of guys, you know, pairing like Mike Evans with AJ Brown, and that's going to carry that. You're just increasing your weekly variance in a managed league to where um, you're going to blow out a team one week and then get smoked the next week. So managing that weekly variance in, in a managed league is a little bit more important when talking about this Tampa Bay passing attack. Noah, the professional you are just set this up perfectly. We told everybody to just smash the like to get the answer to <laughs> your build up because you cut out right when right when the name drop was about to come. But uh, please uh, continue. Yeah, I was just going to say. Take. Yeah, I was going to say if we want a hot take, um, I, I think Tom Brady is going to throw fifty touchdowns and he's going to outscore Patrick Mahomes this year in fantasy. Dan, Dan just. Yes. Dan just got a hard on right there. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that I think that out to Antonio Brown is going to outperform most of the receivers going into the two or three rounds ahead of him in ADP. Well, I think it's I think it's all three, and all three are fine where they're going ADP wise. Uh, I don't have any Chris Godwin, but I do have a lot of Mike Evans, um, just because he's kind of a go-to fourth-round pick for me because he seems to always be there in the fourth. Like I. I think that the um, secondaries in the NFL are maybe the worst that they've ever been right now, right at the same time as um, offenses are figuring out how to take advantage of the NFL's new rules, you know, more than they have in the past. And so in general, I think you're going to see some prolific passing outcomes this season. And I think Tom Brady is set up to take full advantage of that. He's got, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They do not want to run the football. They do not need to run the football. He has all of the weapons that he could want to throw to. He's got a full season with Antonio Brown now, and he's got Giovanni Bernard now as an actual pass-catching running back that they didn't have last season. So I think a whole lot of the volume that that team has is just going to flow through Tom Brady and you know, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, and, you know, Overall, top three quarterback is uh, is in his range of outcomes. So that would be my hot take for the Tampa Bay passing offense. We we actually have a clip of of Tom at the uh, line of scrimmage here the other day. Mark, anything to, to add it with the with the Tampa sitch before we uh, we get into the goodness for tonight? Uh, no, but Noah alluded to the weakness of the secondaries across the NFL, and that also rings true with the defensive coordinators. I mean, Levy Smith picked up a defensive coordinator job this offseason, and he's running the Tampa 2 out, which is five years antiquated. So, um, yeah, the defensive coordinators are going to have a rough go. Uh, and we saw 
we saw a lot of defensive coordinator turnover this season, and there's going to be a lot more next season as well. Yeah, I think you're right about that. All right, boys. Uh, sorry, I keep muting, unmuting, just because the it, it gets a little loud. Uh, guys, tons of goodness already. As we uh, skip through the, the the headlines, we try to do it rapid fire ish. But um, as as we get into the goodness now, you know, we all came for for the traps, right? We we all there's those guys that you avoid as you draft uh, guys you see on your roster you, that you're, you know, you try to move for specific reasons. So that's what we're going to hit on tonight. We're going to get a little, little specific, but uh, to start it on kind of the macro level, Noah, I'll go to you first. Who's like your, your biggest avoid uh, this off season as we get in, you know, we were days, hours away from week one. I, I think that it's fairly, you know, ADP is pretty reasonable this year, but like, I don't like really any of the running backs that are going in the first round after the top two or three. Um, so I guess for me, it would be all of the running backs going after Alvin Kamara and, you know, a little bit of that, I would say, I don't, I don't have any Dalvin cook in the leagues that I've drafted that are managed leagues just because I have a lot of injury concerns with him that, I, I don't think that you can expect to get a full season out of him by any, you know, any, by any stretch. If you do, it would be a, a very narrow outcome, like, you know, maybe a 10 or 15% outcome. He's just got so many issues with his shoulder and other things that he's just not a guy that I've dedicated a lot of draft capital to, but um, you know, but th th that next group of guys like Derek Henry, and uh, Ezekiel Aiton, you know, normally I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry. I've been heavy on him in past seasons when he was going with a later ADP. But now that he's up, you know, in the top half of the first round, it's just a really thin pick to be making, in my opinion, when he's coming off of a career season where he had over 2,000 rushing yards with a new offensive coordinator with Julio Jones in town. You know, I, I just think that's a, that's a pick where you're really hoping for a top-end outcome in order for him to even justify his ADP. So I'm not really high on Derrick Henry. Um, you may be surprised to hear that I'm not really high on Ezekiel Elliott either. Um, I, I do think, let me, let me put a caveat to this. I do think Zeke will have his best season since his rookie season for fantasy purposes. He's going to have his most productive season since his rookie season, but he's still being overdrafted. Because, you know, it's, it's a little bit too high for me where he's going now, but he's not necessarily the stone fish pick that he was the last four years. So before I go to the other gentleman, because I know you are a, a part-time driver of the Tony Pollard fan, fan club bus. Um, so guys like Darrington Evan, Pollard, uh, Madison, uh, did they become – bigger parts of your portfolio because of, of this, these thoughts, or do you just avoid it all together because you don't think it's going to trickle down significantly enough to, for it to sit with those, those three guys? Yeah. I don't think it necessarily trickles down to those guys to where those guys are, you know, viable weekly starter uh, type players. You know, I think Derek Henry's going to get most of the running back opportunity on the Titans. I just, I think that he's got to have another, you know, historic level season on the ground because he doesn't get enough passing work 
in order to pay off his ADP. So it's it's a little bit thin to me. Like if I'm in that pick, I'm sitting there, I'm staring down Derrick Henry, I'm probably just going to take a wide receiver or Travis Kelsey. You know, I was in that decision on Saturday night, and I went ahead and took uh, Travis Kelsey instead of taking Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott. I just took Travis Kelsey earlier because, he, you know, he's got a chance to really pay off that, that pick pretty easily. And I can, you know, I can take – Nick Chubb in the second round after taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. And I think Nick Chubb should be in the same tier with Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. So it's more just opportunity cost for what those guys, you know, will take for me to get them. And I don't really want to spend an early pick on that. You know, I'd rather have Aaron Jones than Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry. Just situationally, I'd rather have Aaron Jones. And I think, you know, Nick Chubb should be in that same group as those other two guys. So, for me, it's just I'd rather take a wide receiver or Kelsey and pair him with Nick Chubb than spend one of those picks and then be stuck. You know, I, what, what would you rather have, Devontae Adams and Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry and DK Metcalf? You know, I, I just think you, you look at it as the trade-off of what you get round one versus round two. But, you know, that's just for the first round. I've got some other thoughts for later rounds, but I'll let uh, Hillo get something off of his chest. Yeah, I completely agree with the uh, the running backs in the first round. You, the, the most salient point to me is the the last one I think Noah made, which was you have to look at the comparative value of cost of acquisition. And when you have guys in the early second or late first, like Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is the second most efficient wide receiver in the game, and he's playing with Mahomes. Uh, you have a guy like Diggs who could push for 170 targets this year. Devontae Adams, who you know could score – 15, 20 touchdowns. Uh, so these these guys behind the the Zeke and the uh, the Derrick Henry kind of semi tier of running backs, the basically just the opportunity cost of having to take them there again, like Noah was saying. Just I would rather take Kels or, or one of those aforementioned wide receivers, even Calvin Ridley. I mean, Calvin Ridley could pop for 165 targets this year uh, as well. So uh, along the same line of thinking, I'm going to parlay that into my kind of next tier of running backs to fade. Uh, and that's going to be David Montgomery, uh, Josh Jacobs, and then dependent on where he's going, Miles Sanders. Um, the thing with Miles Sanders is he carries high PPR value because we we know that offense, based on who they brought in this offseason, is going to utilize the running backs in the pass game. So um, if he's going early third round, that's a I'm out there. But he's been dropping, I've seen, like early fifth, uh, middle of fifth round, and he's a smash there just for the PPR upside. But for Josh Jacobs specifically, um, basically in the mount, uh, or in the span of like a year and a half, he goes from a top three offensive line to now like a bottom seven offensive line, um, and he's not involved in the pass game. Then you talk about David Montgomery. The Bears averaged 4.1 yards per carry last season, and um, they targeted the running backs only 14.8% of the time. So you have a – and Matt Nagy is taking over uh, play calling duties again. And the splits with him uh, calling plays, uh, he averaged like 13.8 fantasy points or something like that per game. So those are two running backs where I am going in the same range as wide receivers like Allen Robinson, who has averaged 9.6 targets per healthy game over the last five seasons, which is insane. Uh, so, I mean, again, opportunity cost. I'm just smashing Allen Robinson all day. Even Keenan Allen has taken sometimes around those two backs. So. 
anytime your offense is struggling and you want to fix something, like the the answer is always to let Matt, Matt Nagy make more decisions. I think <laughs> yeah. that's 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 your path to ultimate success. If anyone is confused, he's being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> the guy couldn't figure his way out of a brown paper bag. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely agree that uh, if if you're picking a bear and you're you, if you're at the end of the third round and you're picking a bear, picking David Montgomery over Allen Robinson doesn't make any sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, it, in fact, I would go so far as to say you should be taking Damian Williams at the end of most of your drafts because I I think there's a lot more potential there at ADP than there is with David Montgomery. Concur. All right. Well, let's see. Some fades from Dan. Yeah. I'm going to throw in uh, Saquon here. Um, As long as we're in the first couple rounds, uh, Saquon Barkley is definitely a fade for me. Even at, when he's slipping into the second round, he'd need to slip into the late second round for me to really want to grab him. Uh, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in that offense. I don't have a lot of faith in that offensive line. Uh, I don't have a lot of faith in uh, how well Barkley is healed. And I don't have a lot of faith in, in Daniel Jones checking down. I mean, you know, Saquon's best year came with Eli Manning at the, the helm and uh, he was checking down uh, and, and just, feeding the ball to Saquon. We didn't see that out of Daniel Jones when we had uh, Jones and Saquon playing together very much. And then you add in Jason Garrett, who also doesn't feature the running back very much in the passing game, plus being just a colossal idiot anyway. Uh, You know, all these factors put together um, along with, you know, Saquon coming back from a really major knee injury. I mean, this was more than just a simple ACL tear. Uh, And when you start getting more than one ligament involved to me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to need to see a healthy year before I'm going to jump back in on that that running back at all. So uh, for all those reasons, I'm definitely out on Saquon. You know, I'd, I'd much rather around the same point where you're getting Saquon, a lot of times you can get Gibson, you can get Chubb, uh, you can get Aaron Jones, guys like that. And I would much, much rather go that way than uh, take Saquon. You guys have anything to add on uh... – on Saquon Barkley? I think he's reasonably healthy, um, and I think he'll play week one. So I, I'm not really worried about his health, but um, the, the Jason Garrett factor is definitely a problem. Um, Jason Garrett should not be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and uh, their offensive line's not very good either. So I think there's a, there's a lot of potential ways that that could go poorly for you, despite Saquon being a significant talent. So I think there's a lot of angles there that are fadeable. Hey, no. Jelly. We got some <laughs> NFT talk in the room. What's up, Andrew? Minted. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> Mint the first one. One of one. One of one. But wait, let him grow his flow back. You know, if you're going to do a Dan NFT, you got to have flow in the picture. I don't know right. about that. I, I mean, mine is everybody knows my my avoid in those early rounds for sure. Kyle Pitts in the third round, get the fuck out! Come on, man. That's the draft capital for me is just um, yeah. Uh, give me a lot of those names around him. It, it I just keep it simple. Uh, the, the rookie tight end history tells us that 
you know, he's he's got to score a hundred percent on his exam to, to to give you that value back. Uh, so that's my opinion. What if he's not really? What if he's not really playing tight end? Exactly. I get it, but again, but uh, Dan, who was it that came on our show and sa said uh, if your reason for drafting this player is that he's not going to play the position that he got drafted for, it's probably not a good argument. Uh, you know, again, it's it, you know, again, he's got to learn this whole new position, right? Because he comes in as a tight end. So let's say he does play receiver. Is he just going to come in and become one of the best receivers in the game? Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, put, I'll put my money on, uh, on, on the other side. I've, I've slowly come around to Pitts when he falls, but, uh, you know, I, there are just so many other good players around that area that I can draft. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's the main argument for, that's for exactly me against Pitts. So. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I don't have much of Pitts just because of where he goes, but uh, I think a thousand yards is not would not be that out of the question for him, which is great as a tight end. You know, if you're especially in tight end premium, but uh, but with where he goes, I think it's at least fairly priced in, if not slightly overpriced. Right. Yeah. Though, uh, Mark, I think you had a tweet a couple days ago on. Um... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No Definitely. problem. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll get back to that tweet later. We'll get back. Uh, to it. We'll, we'll get back to it. So yeah, and and that's that's all it is with Pitts. It's it's uh, it's it's more the opportunity cost for me. It's uh, you know, Noah, we were talking like crypto and stuff where where you're going to place your bets, and you know, yeah, you can you can put your money on a sure bet, and and you could put your money on the high risk, but for me, it's how much are you spending on each one of those bets, right? To to get yeah. the the yeah. reward. And that, that's what it comes down to. I, I just, I'm fine with Pitts doing what everybody hopes he does and, you know, not being on board with that, but getting a similar growth or similar production from other guys that I'm producing, that I'm picking up in that area. Yeah, uh, people are paying the price for him to have a rookie breakout season. You know, it's it's priced right. in at this point. So, you know, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, you're you're ahead of the game by fading him. But, you know, he's already priced close to where he should be. So, no. So, Mark, what was that tweet you had a couple of days ago on? Uh, uh, it was on Pitts and uh, and Ridley, right? Yeah. So basically, my I I had I was basically a full fade on Pitts in the third. Then about two weeks ago, he started slipping late fourth, early fifth, even sometimes. And I was drafting as many teams as I could in that time frame and just smashing Pitts in that range. Um, basically, that offense. Not much has changed from what we can expect. We, they did bring in Dean Peace uh, to take over for the defense, uh, but the personnel that they have uh, on the roster on the defensive side in the ball does not mesh well with a Dean Peace offense, which is highly complex. Or sorry, a defense, which is highly complex. They're going to be looking for uh, in-game shifts, heavy shifts from zone, from blitz rates for, uh, to man, to all kinds of different unique coverages from four to five cover three to, you know, to single high safety, he's going to be all over the place with blitz rates and all that stuff. And that's going to take probably half of the season, at least uh, to really get the talent that he has or the lack thereof on the defensive side of the ball, really picking up that defense. So then you look at the offense and it's going to be highly concentrated. You know, they have um, Calvin Ridley, they have Russell Gage at wide receiver position. On paper, I expect the offense to look a lot like or to appear as if they're running a lot of 12 personnel, 
But again, Kyle Pitts not really playing a traditional tight end role. So you're going to basically have Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Kyle Pitts, and Hayden Hurst on the field as the pass catchers. And they do have a capable pass catching running back who we could talk at a different time about him, uh, how I feel. But I am high on Mike Davis as well. Uh, but anyway, so you have an offense that starts to resemble a little bit something of like a Kansas City Chiefs, like 90% of a Kansas City Chiefs offense, where you have like Tyreek Hill equaling Calvin Ridley, who I'd expect Calvin Ridley again to push 160, 165 targets. And you have Kyle Pitts, who is uh, who I expect to be the secondary option, uh, more like A1A, 1B, as Kansas City has like Travis Kelsey and um, Tyreek Hill. So we have we have volume, we have a capable quarterback, and we have a defense who is likely to struggle for most of the year. And you have a concentrated offense. And those are basically checking all the four boxes of what I'm looking for. So I was hammering Kyle Pitts when he fell into the late fourth uh, pretty heavily. He's creeping back up now to where you're having to spend an early fourth, sometimes even a late third, which I'm kind of passing on. But um, once you start getting past uh, that Allen Robinson range of wide receivers. I have no problem taking Kyle Pitts. All right. I just had to go make sure the the flood situation in the basement wasn't too, too crazy. We, we can let it go a little higher. So uh, we we've talked tight ends. We've talked running backs in the top end. Dan, if we, if we trickle down to receiver, um, I'll go to you first and then we'll go to our guests. Is there anyone in the, the, the top echelon of that receiver position that you are avoiding in those early rounds? Um, nobody too much that I'm really avoiding in the top echelon. Um, you know, once you get down into the mid range, but most of the receiver values, I mean, relative to other receivers, I think it's been pretty well, you know, ADP is fairly on point, uh, in my mind anyway, with a couple exceptions. One of them is, uh, Julio Jones. I'm just not really seeing him in the, uh, basically in the fifth round uh i i would rather be getting either a different wide receiver there or going a different way in the fifth round a lot of times you know i might go with a, a running back there uh, maybe even a tight end depending on uh the format but that's that's a place where i just i don't really see julio as being an absolute smash pick there um you know partially because of his age um you know, he's had a trouble putting together big seasons, uh, partially because of changing teams and, you know, learning a new offense. So I, I just see that as being a little bit uh, of a difficult one to swallow. If he was going around later, I would be all over him. But uh, in the fifth, it's a little bit tough. Yeah, I'm right. I, I just couldn't pull the trigger on Julio a few times. Uh, Noah, I'll go to you. How do you feel about the, the Tennessee wide receiver one B, I guess, or two, and uh, anyone else in the in the upper tiers when it comes to receiver that you've been avoiding. You're on mute, brother. I think Julio is fine where he goes if he stays healthy all year, but I think that's a big question mark for him. I think you know you're you're more likely to see him play eight or nine games than play the full season. So that makes me a little bit hesitant to take him where he's going. But uh, I do like to take Adam Thielen. Sorry, sorry, not Adam Thielen. I'm, uh, I, I'm looking at an ADP sheet right now, and Adam Thielen was jumping out at me. But uh, I do like to take his quarterback because I, I think that 
increasing the passing options in the Titans uh, offense overall just makes it so that you can take Ryan Tannehill with a lot more confidence. I think he's mm-hmm. a really sneaky quarterback one that you can usually get later in drafts. But that's really the impact for Julio to me. I haven't been taking much of Julio in the late fourth, early fifth. But if, you know, if he was there late fifth, early sixth, I'd be more interested. But you know, it's just a matter of how willing are you to fill in for him when he has five weeks and you know, other receivers that you can find later that you can fill in for him if he's uh, if he's injured for a week. So but that would be my main concern just at his age and with his health problems. Okay. Well, before we jump too far into wide receivers, I want to jump back real quick. Uh, Gus Edwards is going about mid-fifth round right now. Where are you, where are you guys on uh, Gus at that range? That's appropriate. I would, uh, I would take him significantly earlier than that. You would take him earlier? Yes. I would take him over Chris Carson, probably. So, you know, where Chris Carson goes, that's about where Gus Edwards should be going true value wise, but uh, you can usually get him later. So I try to get him later. I tried to get him in a, a high stakes draft that I had on Saturday night and uh, he went one pick ahead of me, which made me very unhappy because I kind of, I started out with Travis Kelsey and then, so I took Travis Kelsey and then I took AJ Brown then I took Allen Robinson and then I took DJ Moore. So I had like a really strong, you know, zero, RB start, and I was like, I can just take Gus Edwards and, you know, Damian Harris and be off to the races, and it just didn't work out because he went one pick ahead of me. But, um, no, I I am fine taking Gus Edwards as my running back one on a zero RB team all day. Dan, I'm going to let Mark – I'm going to let Mark add uh, his comments, but remind me to come back to Noah. I want to know what that Thielen thought was. It was draft him in the fifth. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was it was draft feeling every time that you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Like like just just smash that pick if he's there in the fifth round. Uh, yeah, I was just staring at it because his ADP is at five oh two in uh, in main events, and I'm just like, Ugh. see, I've got the main, and he's yeah, end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. It's it's that's yeah, where he is. Yeah, so so Maine has him at four twelve, but then Football Guys has him at five oh two. It was Football oh, Guys, okay, okay. but yeah, it's just similar formats. But Football Guys has him a little bit later, five oh two. Do, yeah, do you know what? Just curiosity. Do you weigh one heavier than the other when you're when you're looking at those between the main event and the Football Guys? I mean, you would expect the main event to to draft sharper. In my experience, they don't necessarily do that. Okay. So you know. It, they draft differently, but it's not necessarily sharper. It's just it's it's mostly just noisy between the two. I've tried to study the difference between the two and see if there was value to it. And it seems like in the main events, the quarterbacks go a little bit later than they do in mm-hmm. the football guys, which is a little bit of a, a sharper tendency. But the rest of the ADP, as far as you know, which players are good and which players like, it's it's sharper on positional value, but it's not sharper on which players are actually good values versus which players are not good values, if that makes any sense. Right. And then as we as we start getting into the last few days of the main, you know, you start seeing a lot of people, uh, you know, chasing picks up the, the draft board. Uh, you yeah. know, so sometimes it gets a little silly by Friday and Saturday. Yeah. You know, Adam Thielen will probably have some touchdown regression this season because you know, he had a ton of touchdowns last year. 
but even if he had half as many touchdowns, like if you if you took away half of his touchdowns from last year and said here's his touchdown regression, he's still going too late. Yeah, and with Irv gone, I mean that just you know yeah. it, it further narrows the passing tree there. Um, one one more running back before we get back to the wide receivers. How about uh, James Robinson? Where he's going? How do you guys feel about him? Appropriate as well. Yeah, I, I think it's appropriate, but uh, I think you're going to have some pretty painful bust weeks along the way. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have some struggle bust weeks uh, along the way that that don't feel great. Like I, I think I would slightly rather have uh, Gus Edwards to James Robinson at this point. But, uh, you know, James Robinson will probably get a little bit more passing work, but uh, I don't think that he's going to have the full share of the rushing down work. So, you know, maybe for full PPR, James Robinson is a better value than 0.5 PPR. On the, on the clock, boys, how we do it here in the district, DeAndre Swift or James Robinson, Noah? <clears throat> See, that's interesting because – the problem with DeAndre Swift is he's likely not the goal line back with uh, Jamal with Jamal there, but that's one of the things where it doesn't really hurt him that much because his team's never going to be at the goal line. So, so is there really that much value with being the goal line back if your team's never scoring anyway? So delayed air horn there. Delayed air. I would horn. I would still lean Swift over Robinson, but it's just because I. I think that the Jaguars are going to be a little bit all over the place in how they play this year. I think it's going to be a little bit messy as they try to figure things out. And Urban Meyer is going to interfere in a lot of the things that the offense is doing, a lot of the operations that they're going through. And, you know, he's going to try and say, okay, well, let's, let's give Carlos Hyde a week where Carlos Hyde's the guy and see, see how he does. You know, we're, we're frustrated. You know, James Robinson fumbled. So we're going to, we're going to bench him and we're going to, play Carlos Hyde the rest of the way. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lot more variability on the Jaguars as far as how they deploy all of their players. So I don't have a whole lot of Jaguars players very high. Um, I think you can take Trevor Lawrence with confidence because he's going to have some rushing upside and he's going to throw the ball fairly well. But And they played the Houston Texans twice, which is fantastic. But um, I, I, I think I'd take – yeah, I think I'd take Swift over James Robinson, but I don't. I don't really have much of the two of them. Yeah, L- Lawrence's price in those big tourneys is just too much to pass up. Sometimes he's not a guy I planned on drafting, but the upside and, and the cost was so good. Uh, Mark, I'm going to go to you this time. We're going to go James Robinson or Chris Carson. James Robinson for me slightly, just because because of that offense, it's going to be a real Frankenstein offense. I just broke down all 32 teams and really found um, the Jaguars to be this enigma of an expected offense, they're going to have basically three talking heads uh, that have input. They're going to have, uh, you know, Urban Meyer head coach. They're going to have their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. And then they're going to have uh, their pass game coordinator, Schottenheimer, who they're all going to be talking heads in this offense. So um, one thing I think that's going to do is it's not going to be predictable. Uh, but again, at the same time, it's not going to be predictable. So like plus – Pluses and negatives there. Um, but as far as James Conner now, I think with Travis Etienne being out for the season, they're going to give some of what they were trying to do with Etienne uh, over to James Robinson, kicking him out of the backfield, uh, putting him in bunch formations in the slot, 
um, like this weird like hybrid college Daryl Bevel offense uh, that they're going to try and be running. So I like him for additional PPR upside uh, as when compared to like Chris Carson, like half PPR, it's going to be probably Chris Carson. But um, with the expected uh, receptions, I got to lean James right there. Dan, for obvious reasons, our friend Mark has James Conner on the brain, but we all know he meant J-Rob. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes sometimes I hear, I listen to stuff and you hear the guy make a mistake and nobody says anything. I'm like, I'd rather just correect it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's not the professional way to do it. Last year, every time I wanted to say Lamar Jackson, I came out with Lamar Miller. It was just awful. <laughs> 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 uh, you guys are killing me. My air horn is so far away. There it is. <laughs> so so dan i'm not going to make it so easy on you brother uh this is my question to you do you rather grab james robinson in the third or do you rather get your boy daryl henderson or damian harris in the sixth i'll take damian harris in the sixth um just saying daryl henderson is you know i i i think he's a, a really an enigma right now and as a matter of fact i just came out of a nffc draft where uh sony michelle won a pick before daryl henderson which i thought was <laughs> um well interesting what? One way to do it. <laughs> yep no doubt but uh anyway what's that sorry the answer is stafford yeah exactly um uh, you know and yeah, yeah and cooper cup yeah yeah I'll, I'll take i'll take either of those nice. guys for I'm sure yeah Nice. So, all right, guys, if you haven't done it yet, smash the like, smash the subscribe. We're, we're about you, either of you guys. I, I probably should ask you this before, but any, uh, any curfews tonight, any deadlines? No, I know you got like a million things to make a bajillion dollars off of, but you know, can we keep you a bit longer? Yeah. No, I don't have, uh, I don't have anything going until, you know, a little, little while later. I've got like four hours of don't do don't give us too much bed. time, Noah. Don't give it because we'll we'll milk it. <laughs> I don't. Every second. The the thing is, I don't sleep, so it doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> that, that explains a lot. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Myffpc.com. You know, like we said, you want to squeeze in some drafts before the season starts, and you want to win six digits doing it. Uh, you know, go check out the FFPC. Whether it's their best ball for one twenty five, as our boy Wheeler is in the middle of drafting. Uh, whether it's the football guys, the main event, they you know live. You want to fly to Vegas and meet Dan out there. He's uh, he's going to be out there representing and, and drafting some goodness with our boy Theo, and uh, as well as Andrew. But guys, let's uh, let's keep going with the avoids. This is a question. You know, maybe it's it's best ball, maybe it's redraft. I, I don't think it applies to dynasty. But do the offenses play a factor? Like, are there offenses that you avoid? Specifically, I know Noah. You talked about you know the Lions. They're they're not getting anywhere near the goal line, anyways. So does that mean maybe you're you're avoiding certain offenses, or are you just basing it specifically on the individual players? Yeah, it's it's got a lot to do with the offenses. I mean, there are some teams where their number three wide receiver is more valuable to me than someone else's number one wide receiver. You know, if you look at fantasy ADP right now, there are some teams that. You know, you can get through a whole fantasy draft and none, none of their receivers go off of the board. Um, you know, I, I did one draft recently where none of the Patriots wide receivers were drafted. And you know, afterwards I tweeted that people were too low on the Patriots passing game because I think the Patriots will actually have a decent passing game. But um, like on the, you know, do you really want weapons on the Texans, for example, or 
you know, players on the you know the Lions is another good one. I'll throw out the Steelers in there. I don't really want Steelers players. Um, for uh, I think they are drawing more live to be last in their division than they are to be first. Um, I think that their most likely outcome is being third in their division, but uh, last is not far behind. I think they could they could reasonably come in last in the AFC North and just be somewhat of a mess. Their offensive line is a mess. Big Ben is not what he used to be. And so, you know, I look at a guy like Deontay Johnson, who is currently going ahead of Adam Thielen, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would I take Deontay Johnson at 409 instead of Adam Thielen at 502? Or, you know, even some other players that are available in that same range. And then, you know, Chase Claypool goes right after Deontay Johnson. He goes at uh, 507 in the main event. Chase Claypool's at 507, Deontay Johnson's at 4.9, and then Juju isn't far behind the two of them. So, you know, you all three of those receivers are going in the in the top six rounds, and you know, I think that team could be pretty awful. You know, they've got a running back that's going right at the one-two turn in Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is a good player, but that doesn't mean that I think that their team is going to be particularly effective or efficient. And uh you know, I'm fine taking Najee maybe at the end of the second round because he projects to get over 70% of the opportunity on his team from a running back standpoint. But, you know, most of the most of the players on the Steelers, I just feel like you're getting really thin if you're trying to take those guys where they're going. Our boy Benjamin, before I go to Mark, uh, you talked about Houston and, and avoiding Brandon Cooks, a guy that seems to produce wherever he goes. Is he a guy that you're interested in when you get in that range? Uh, he's going right now, what, in the – well, sorry, I thought I'd be able to find it a lot quicker. About the ninth. Yeah, he's going about that eight. Oh, there you go. Yeah, ninth round. Yeah, uh, he projects well when I run my projections, but that's because I don't know who else on that team to give yards to. But uh, I think, yeah, in the FFPC, he's going at 804. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, who, who's going to throw the ball to him? Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? Do we think Tyrod Taylor is going to be throwing deep balls to Brandon Cooks, or do we think that Brandon Cooks is going to have to operate mostly underneath? How do we think that our offense is going to be structured? You know, like in that same range of ADP, I think there's other guys that I can take that I've got a lot more confidence in. Like, you know, Michael Gallup goes later. And I think I probably have more confidence that I know what Michael Gallup's going to be. Brendan Cooks might have slightly more upside, but the downside is much higher as well. So, you know, I think Michael Gallup goes on average five picks later than Brendan Cooks. So, you know, he's probably fairly priced for his ADP. He's, Corey Davis goes in that same range. Debo Samuel goes in that same range. You know, if, if he's the number one option and – over 20% of the targets flow through him, then obviously he's going to smash his ADP. But I don't think that you can have a reasonable confidence that that's the case going into the season. You know, hopefully it's the case, but you know, I think that his ADP is priced in for that risk. Yeah. And you could also see Houston trading him off at some point during the year too. Uh, you know, or, or cutting him before the season. Yeah. You know, I think, so I think David Johnson's going to be cut before the season. Just as a yeah. aside, but another guy that I would fade is just David Johnson because 
I think there's a chance that the Houston's final round of cuts before the season starts could be really wild um, because they're, they're cleaning house there to a degree that few teams ever have. And they're going to be getting rid of any impediments to young guys getting opportunity. So, you know, they could, they could release players that you don't expect them to release. They could trade players. You don't expect them to trade. You know, everything is on the table for that team because they're not planning on winning games this year and they're willing to take Deshaun Watson and make him inactive every week. So whatever you think, like if you project the team out and you say, okay, these are their players, we've got this much opportunity that I've got to divide between all these players. I think you don't have a whole lot of reasonable confidence in knowing what their roster is going to look like. Even if they start the season with the guys that they've got now, what's it going to look like after game six or game seven? It could be completely different. They could release players mid season because they know that it's all over and they're not going to be competitive. So I just, I would, it's one of the oddest situations I've ever seen in the NFL, the Texans this year, because they are, they do not look like a team that has any interest in winning. Right. And what's weird is, you know, they really didn't really, you know, they were, they were draft capital poor coming into the year. And then they do stuff like, you know, trade away two picks to move up in the third round and, you know, just weird stuff like that, that you, you know, teams that are, are really trying to, you know, go all the way down to the bottom just shouldn't be doing. And, you know, and then they, they basically, you know, all the free agent signings were old guys um, and special teamers. So it was, it was just kind of a weird off season. I think, I think you're exactly right on David Johnson. I think, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, uh, the head coach likes Mark Ingram, I guess, just because of familiarity, if nothing else. And, yeah. uh, you know, I. And, and David I, Johnson I, 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 was the player. David Johnson was the player they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. So, you know, don't don't underestimate the catharsis of erasing a mistake with your fan base, basically saying, hey, we're turning over a new leaf. I, I think there's a lot of. You know, potential for that kind of thing as well. Yeah. I, the funny thing is, is, you know, well, the, the right answer is don't draft any Houston running backs, but you know, when it gets down to the point where they're just so ridiculously cheap, I, I still have a hard time uh, drafting either Lindsay or um, Mark Ingram, even though I know that they're the more likely options to David Johnson. It's just, it's, you know. Yeah. Philip so, Lindsay has got some potential there, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they could just, Keep cutting guys, moving down the wrist, moving down the list. They also signed Rex Burkhead, so that'll that'll be fun. Right. <laughs> so real quick on Brandon Cooks, like I'm kind of a whore for volume in that eighth, ninth round range as far as wide receivers go, particularly in managed leagues. Um, so I've been smashing Cooks uh, in that range, and I've been smashing Devonta Smith in that range uh, mm-hmm. as two guys who are basically, in my opinion, being drafted at floor. Love the Smith call. Yep. Yeah, I'm like I can get like uh, it's for best ball. I like Cooks more than for managed leagues, but then again, I can wait a whole nother round and take Will Fuller, and I like Will Fuller a lot more than I like Brandon Cooks. So you know, it's just kind of a situation opportunity. If Cooks was going a little bit later, I'd be a lot more interested. But there's a lot of other guys kind of in that same area that I I find myself gravitating towards more just because I think I understand the situation a little bit better and there's less downside, but I, I totally understand 
seeing the volume and hoping that uh, that all of it holds up for the full season. Yeah, for me, for me, it comes down to roster construction. When I, when I'm picking these guys at this point, how many receivers have I picked or not? Uh, Mark, our, our buddy Ryan Kenia, league mate of mine, says he he finds himself avoiding my Colts. Unfortunately, are you avoiding certain offenses? Is that is is that something you base it on, or you're just doing huge volume and it's based on the individual players? And love the Devontae Smith call, by the way. Yeah. So. This is actually going to be the last thing because I, I got to go for kiddos bedtime. Uh, but um, I, I'm not necessarily fading entire offenses. I'm fading a certain position group, though, from offenses. So like Cleveland wide receivers, where Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are being utilized in low upside roles. You know, like OBJ's highest upside role or route he's running is a go. And that's just not going to be NFL defenses. He's running a lot of curls. He's running a lot of comebacks. Jarvis Landry running a lot of slants, a lot of curls. Like these are not high upside routes. So um, if you look like the talent does not outweigh the way in which they are being used. Um, another way with the Colts, I'm fading Michael Pittman where he's going. Um, he is more of a possession, big body win with his body attack at the point of or, uh, at the high point. And he is being drafted as if he's going to see volume in that role. And I just don't see it. We're going to see a lot of weeks where he's seeing six to eight low upside targets. Um, and at even at wide receiver 43, like I'd rather just wait on Paris Campbell, um, his teammate, and take a player who has that self-generated yard after catch ability, uh, which we're not going to see in Michael Pittman. Um, I love Noah's call on Miami's passing attack. Um, I love Jalen Waddle even uh, over Michael Pittman. Uh, these that I don't think a lot of the fantasy um, community is really reading into the fact that that Miami offense is built for and around Tua. Uh, it's going to be heavy passing. Their offensive line is absolute garbage, um, and it's going to be basically the Tua show. And they brought in the weapons to make that happen this offseason. So uh, love that call. Um, Nicole Hardman, I have found myself not drafting at all. I think I took him once, and it ended up being my $200 single entry uh, on DraftKings, the best ball. Um, and it was basically a hedge. I was like, I'm not taking him in the millie. Uh, almost maxed that out. And if he's going to hit, what better place to for it to do than on a single entry roster? So um, Nicole Hardman, like we could – we could talk for hours about kind of what his fantasy perspective is this year, but um, I'm not taking him. I'm not buying the upside. He's had chances to step into the previous Sammy Watkins role in the past and hasn't capitalized on it. So uh, that's another one fade for me. I think that's got to do it for me, boys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Mark, yeah. It, we appreciate your time and uh, remind the people where they can find you at high, low FF. Anything else you want to share, guys, make sure you follow Mark, man. He's got some uh, good – and as you can see, it's not just – it's the whole uh, teaching how to fish thing, the strategy behind it that uh, is what's key here. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm big on, the theory behind it. Um, call myself a like a game theory nut. Uh, if you want any more game theory stuff, season-long best ball, DFS, head over to oneweekseason.com and check me out there. Appreciate you, Mark. Have a good night, brother. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Better. All right, Noah, we got another three hours and uh, 20 minutes with you. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> we'll, we'll, just, we'll try just to add, get down to 220. Just to add to Pilo's point, like 
on Miami's passing attack. We've talked about Jalen Waddle. We've talked about Will Fuller. But Devontae Parker's basically free. Like you can take Devontae Parker whenever you want. And he's one of the guys that, you know, when I run for myself, um, uh, he comes in as one of the best values versus ADP just because you can get him. I'm trying to, I'm scrolling down. Middle middle of the 12th, middle of the 12th. Yeah. In the main. main. He goes, he goes so late and he's a guy that, you know, really is paid to be their number one wide receiver and has shown flashes of it and, been actually somewhat consistent with it the last two years. So I think I really like him where he's going at cost. You know, he's kind of going right next to Ramondre Stevenson and Giovanni Bernard and James White and all these, J.D. McKissick, (laughs) all of these third down running backs that people pick, you know, hoping to just get five points out of them for PPR purposes. And, you know, that's not really where he should be going. I think he should be going up there, you know, where Pittman's going or maybe earlier. So I like him where he goes a lot. Dan, I know we're talking avoids, but we're talking Miami, Chicago. Like there's some of these offenses, you know, New England later in drafts that if you waited on quarterback, you can start picking up receivers and stack yourself with, with your, whether it's your QB two, or even if, you know, you want to go brave and go QB one with a Mac Jones or, or a Tua, it, it gives you those options. You know, you're never worried as you do these drafts, thinking, you know what, in a one QB, I'm going to wait because I can hit these guys late. The Zach Wilsons, uh, just these offenses that you can you can get later uh, in a stack sense are bringing value, I think, in, in kind of the discussion we're having. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you, you want to try to set yourself up for easy stacks if you can. And um, that's certainly one way to go is being able to, you know, pull in the cheap quarterback too and uh, have a couple options stacked with them. So, I, yeah, I've I've done that many times in uh, the the best ball leagues, and uh, you know it's also something you can pull in the you know the tournament leagues as well, the uh, the main event or football guys. If you want another hot take, um, Mac Jones makes the Pro Bowl as a rookie. <laughs> nice, I like that. Yeah. Uh, we could easily see Zach Wilson and Mac Jones be one and two in, in rookie quarterback rankings at the end, at the end of this season. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the thing is fantasy wise, uh, you know, Mac Jones is, is going to have a little bit more trouble keeping up just because he probably isn't going to use his legs as much uh, as some of these other guys. But the thing he's also got is he's starting from week one and, you know, Lance isn't fields isn't, uh, you know, Wilson is, but you know, when, when you've got guys, you don't even know when they're going to hit the starting lineup. Uh, you know, the, the bird in the hand is definitely worth more. Yeah. I think he's going to, uh, he's going to throw pretty prolifically uh, more than people expect. And, um, you know, I think Johnny Smith, Johnny Smith is like a top six tight end for me, which mm-hmm. may also seem like a hot take, but I think uh, I think he's going to be very good. The two of them, I think, will be very good together. So, yeah, and then, and then behind them, you got a little guy named Hunter Henry. You know what I mean? Which isn't too shabby. And and they've put just really nice pieces around Mac Jones. And let's not forget that he's got Billy B. Uh, you know, kind of guiding him through this this rookie season, which always gives you a little notch. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jonu Smith is going to get deployed in a lot of different packages which you know, is part of why I'm as high on him as I am. 
I think that they you know, they, they lost Rex Burkhead in the offseason. I think some of that Rex Burkhead H-back um, piece of the offense is just going to be Johnny Smith, you know, maybe a little bit of Hunter Henry, but Johnny Smith will take the place of Rex Burkhead in some of those packages. And then you know, he's also going to be the tight end on the field a lot, and I think he and Hunter Henry are going to play uh, a significant portion of snaps together. You know, maybe they'll be the uh, first offense to go over 60% snaps for two tight ends at the same time since uh, the last time the Patriots did it back in, I think, 2011. But uh, but I, I think that there there's opportunities for them to do that within the functionality of the offense that they've already been playing by using some of those H-back type situations for Johnny Smith, and that just gives him you know all that much more upside because you know if, if you take a tight end and you give him two rushing touchdowns along with some you know some passing you know receiving touchdowns and some you know a good amount of receiving yards, it just boosts his value overall. Yeah. For sure. Well, while we're on the subject of tight ends, uh, how about tight end fades? You got any, you know? Tight end, you know, the, the position overall is pretty gross. Um, once you get past that top group, let me just pull up tight end specific FFPC ADP. Real what's, quick. what's your general approach on the position? I know we talk often on the show, Dan, uh, you know, kind of if you miss those top whatever whatever guys you consider in the top tier, maybe you wait until later in the draft. What's your general approach, Noah, uh, at the position? Uh, so this year what I've done is I've just taken Travis Kelsey in the first round or I've taken Johnny Smith at the end of my draft. I think that's the case for every for almost every league that I'm in. Um, there's a couple where I don't have Johnny Smith and I kind of feel naked. But that's just because of you know how how high I have him relative to his price. Dan, um, Dan I think Johnu's ADP is about to go up a, a little bit. Just just yeah. just a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been getting him tenth round or later, so it's not like he's got a high opportunity cost. But it's just, I mean, you, you're either going to bet on a couple of outliers repeating with you know Robert Tanyan and Logan Thomas both having those explosive years last year. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I like, but he's going in the third round, and yeah. I just I can't pay a third round price on TJ Hawkinson with the receivers that I'm interested in in that same area, especially with you know what I think of the the Lions' offense overall. You know, Noah Fant, I like as a player, but his offense isn't very good, and um, you know his offense isn't very good. His quarterback's not very good, and he's not in the best of health right now. You know, I think Logan Thomas has some potential because I think he's going to be on the field for just about every snap. But still, you know, his ADP is in the fifth round. It's just, it's a little, little bit early for me. You know, Dallas Godert, I was excited about earlier in the offseason when there was potential for Ertz to be gone. But with Ertz back and the quarterback situation and everything else going on with the Eagles, I'm not really high on Zach, on a Dallas Godert or Zach Ertz. Mike Gesicki is going as tight end number twelve. Um, I like Miami's passing offense, but I think it's a little bit more spread out now that they've got Parker, Waddle, and Will Fuller all there together. So I think that just narrows down the opportunity for Mike Gesicki. Yeah, I think the position overall is pretty gross. You know, John Smith is going right next to Gerald Everett and Evan Ingram, who broke his foot again in uh, the final preseason game, and Rob Gronkowski, Hunter Henry. I mean, you know, it's just there's there's not a lot of depth to the tight end position right now. So 
you know, you can take Blake Jarwin. I think Blake Jarwin, well, I was more excited about him last year than this year um, because this year he's going to be splitting reps with Dalton Schultz, and that kind of you know, takes that value and splits it up between a few guys. I think he's a worthwhile start, but uh, I think it's a little bit of a thinner play. There's just there's just not a lot of tight ends that have a whole lot of value. I mean, after that, you're just trying to basically, you know, get lucky with a Hayden Hurst or a Dan Arnold, even a Donald Parham. I mean, it, it's just it just gets really thin. After All right, that, no, I know. Guys, we get it. We get it. We get it. Unless it's Kelsey or Janu, it's just you know, just <laughs> we get it. We get it, man. We know it. And, and, and I got to say that uh, Noah faded my fade so hard that he didn't even mention him, Tyler Higby. Uh, I was going to I was going to do an on the clock. I was going to go John New Higby. Literally. Uh, I, I would I would take I mean, if if they were going at the in the same spot in drafts, I would I would still take John New over Higby. But like I would take John New rounds before Higby just personally because I don't, I don't have a whole lot of expectation for Higby myself. He's probably fine as the ninth tight end, just because the, you know, five of the tight ends ahead of them are garbage too. So, you know, I, I just think the tight end position is really, really bad. If you don't get Kelsey, you know, Waller is great. He's just, his ADP is now in the first round and I don't want to pay a first round price. Kittle is, is great, but his ADP is in the middle of the second round in FFPC. You know, Pitts is in the third round. Hawkinson's in the third round. Mark Andrews is in the fourth round. I think Mark Andrews, of that group of three or four right there, Mark Andrews is probably the best value because so many of their receivers are hurt. But, you know, still, it's, it's a fourth-round price. So I, I think I'd prefer to just get Kelsey or get Johnny late or get somebody else late. You know, yeah. maybe, I may be too high on Johnny. That's that's fairly possible, but just the way that I see the Patriots' offense working, I think that Johnny's got a lot of upside. Yeah, I'm pretty much. Uh, you know, once you once you get down to Johnny, um, Everett, Grant, Komet, that's that's where I start getting interested again, just because the price is so much cheaper, and you know, I can I can graph two or three of those guys, and you know, just cobbled together a starter uh, by having, you know, three guys basically down in that range. Yep. I think that's totally understandable. I mean, you could even grab a guy like CJ Uzoma and hope that uh, he looks like he did before his injury last year, because he was one of my, he was one of my favorites mm-hmm. last year at, at price because his price was nothing. You could take him with your last pick and he delivered on it before, uh, before he got injured mid middle right. of the season. Yep. For sure. And, and again, you know, easy, easy way out for me. It's all about the roster construction, right? Did I take Kelsey early? And then, you know, like my boy Wheeler here talking about Croft, am I going to wait for Croft as my, my tight end too? But just saying like, you know, those, those middle guys, I'm probably going to double tap middle guys. If, if I do wait, uh, just to kind of give myself a nice balance, like in a best ball. But yeah, I, I think that the tight end position, there's, you know, there's different ways you could play it. You can you can take your safe guys early, like you said, Noah. Guys taking Waller in the first round. You're it's kind of like what we talked about with um, oh man, who we were talking about earlier in the uh, you know kind of drafting him in his dream scenario when or Pitts. You know, when it, guys taking him in the third round, 
you're expecting him to basically hit, you know, the the perfect uh, scenario and nar- narrative. And and it's the same with taking Waller in the first round. So it, I think it, there's different ways to skin a cat, and that's what we love about fantasy. There's different ways, especially in those tight end premiums, to approach the the tight end position. But for me, it always depends on roster construction. Maybe I'm waiting later, Dan, like you do if I miss on those first guys, but me, I'm taking three in that draft, you know, versus two if I took one uh, or two a little earlier. So, Noah, I'm going to come back to you. We've touched, you know, we've kind of worked our way down a draft, uh, hitting on the different positions, but you do a lot of these drafts and especially the high stakes guys. Are there guys that you see being taken in the later rounds that are pure traps like and I, and I hate to say, but we haven't even, dude, we haven't even, uh, we haven't played your favorite. It's a trap. Like just, I'm just so, you know, Dan, I'm so like uh, mesmerized by all the goodness that's being dropped tonight. I just forgot to, to use the drop. But no, in the later rounds, someone you see uh, Fantasyland making a mistake on? Um, not, not, I mean, the, the mistakes that you make in the latter rounds are taking guys or passing on guys that you should have taken. Like, you know, there's, there's guys that are going late that I think should be going earlier. And I think that's more of a mistake than taking a guy late that you shouldn't be taking. Do, do you have a, a couple of those nuggets for us? Uh, maybe, maybe one, one and a half for us. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I would take, uh, I think Curtis Samuel as the wide receiver 50 is a great value because he's got tremendous upside if uh, if things go the right way for him in, in that offense. So the wide receiver 50 being Curtis Samuel, a guy that you can get at 10.05, I think that's a nice value. Now, now does that mean for you that Fitz plays most of the season or it doesn't really matter? It does. Fitz needs to play. I mean, they just don't have – really anybody else. But uh, there are guys like that that have a whole lot of upside, like Brian Edwards. Really, you know, whether you believe in Brian Edwards and the hype machine that's being built up around him on, on the Raiders, if you believe it or not, he is going to be one of the only receivers that they play. You know, John Brown's not there anymore. Brian Edwards is going to be basically an every down wide receiver and he's going at the end of the 11th, you know, he might be their number one wide receiver. And, you know, we were talking about teams earlier that nobody's really drafting players from. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Raiders, people are taking Darren Waller in the first round, but Brian Edwards in the 12th. So, you know, uh, there's upside there. It's just basically the guys that you're taking late in drafts is where you want to take swings at potential massive upside if that's not what you want to be doing in the earlier rounds. And there's guys that, you know, if Brian Edwards really is what the Raiders say that he is, you know, he should be like a wide receiver too, not, you know, your, your team's wide receiver six. So, you know, he, cause he's going right with Cole Beasley, for example, you know, what's Cole Beasley's upside versus, you know, Cole Beasley's a high floor player. I don't really want high floor players in the, 12th round of a draft i'm looking for some home runs and you know otherwise i can just cut them and pick up somebody else so really it, it just comes down to the way that i structure my teams more than anything i'm i'm looking to swing for home runs late mm-hmm. um not really swinging for singles the younger guys right like you're you're not grabbing aj green no I'll grab aj green i mean he's another guy 
if he's healthy, he's got a lot of upside. But you know, where he's going, he's 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 priced more at his floor than he is at his ceiling. So if he go, goes close to his ceiling, then he would be a great pick. So he's a guy I wouldn't mind taking him. And then if he's not involved week one, just cut him and pick up Rondale Moore. You know, like it's you you have a little bit of optionality to to take a couple shots on some players that could have some extreme upside. Anytime Rondell Moore gets spoken of uh, in a positive way, we love it as my my number one owned rookie. Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I just I, I I can't do the AJ Green. I just can't. I can't either. That's why I brought it up. I cannot get there. I, you know, I you understand just, it, but can I interest you in him at the price of free? Yeah, no, it's a, you got the, the problem is there are too many other free guys that I would rather when own. when it's free there's always upside, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, well, at least he's not a free do. guy that's been cut. Like, you know, people were spending draft picks for a while on Antonio <laughs> Callaway and Devin Funches and uh right. Some of some of these other players, Travis Fulgham, who, you know, I I think he shouldn't have been cut, but he's been cut. You know, there's a bunch of other late round shots that people have been taking that uh, maybe, you're not taking Quez uh, Quez Watkins. I'm not taking Eagles. <laughs> All right, it's, it's a business decision for Noah. Uh, no, he's true. also he's also a Cowboys fan. Uh, full full disclosure. I, I'm not a Cowboys fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not. I just live next to the facility. That's okay. all. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, Dan, it seems like a touchy topic. We won't. We won't dive deeper into that one. Yeah, really not. <laughs> but like, for example, the guy that you can take late, Deshaun Jackson is is free. You can take Deshaun Jackson. I love, he, yeah, I love. If that. he stays healthy, I mean, it's it could be a home run. Deshaun Jackson playing with Matthew Stafford. I guess mm-hmm. that could be beautiful. Could be, could be. Pro- probably won't be, but it could be. Yeah, but at, at his price, Noah, if he gives me two weeks, you know, I'll, yeah. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, it's like I said earlier. Can I interest you in a price of free? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like Dan. Dan's got me on KJ Hamler, like all over the place. I just love taking him late, late in these drafts. Yep, yep. He's a good one. Uh, Josh Palmer, Nico Collins, Paris. Maybe Paris, yeah. They're yeah. Jalen Jalen Rager's free. Yeah, Jalen Rager's. I'm gonna take a shot. Yeah. I'm gonna take a shot on an eagle. He's going at thirteen eleven right now. Is his ADP? Like you know, Jalen Rager's free, and he's a he's a good receiver. He he might be their number two. So it's a, it's a guy worth taking a shot on. Is is, M- of- is MVS of like kind of a value for you guys? Just going in the the fifteenth round with Rogers coming back and. We've seen the flashes with MVS. You know, those. Oh, I've like, certainly games. taken him. So, yeah, I have too. I've, I've taken him, and I've picked him up on a couple of teams with with waivers where I took a different upside guy that didn't work out, and I just you know kind of churned to the bottom of the roster and picked up MVS. But yeah, I mean, he's totally viable. Nelson Aguilar is completely viable. You know, if Nelson oh, Aguilar yeah. actually becomes the number two wide receiver for the Patriots, he could be very viable. And uh, especially if you're if you're in leagues that take deep passing into account, maybe award deep passing more than other methods, like some of the leagues that I play. Nelson Aguilar is very interesting in that format, and he's going in the fifteenth as well. There, you know, there's a lot more viable late round receivers than running backs for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely good, valid point. And shout out to Benjamin Cunningham, uh, backing my MBS, our buddy Ben. Uh, always a pleasure to be in the DMs with and. Uh, 
No, man, this this has been a blast. Let, let me just touch on, on one more position before we close this down. I know you've got like some squats uh, to, to, to work behind you there. Uh, <laughs> um, so going back to the quarterback position, we, you know, you've got people super high right now on these on these rookie quarterbacks. What are, what are your thoughts on the landscape? Are, are all five of these guys uh, here to stay? Do you see one of these guys maybe being a bigger trap or even a couple of these guys uh, when we're looking at these quarterbacks? I know we've touched on them a bit uh, tonight, but I know our buddy Theo, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight, uh, you know, just trying to rest up, being, being a little uh, stuck with a cold. But he was asking, you know, is there staying power in, in these quarterbacks and how are you approaching the rookie class uh, when it comes to that position? So I, I liked Trey Lance a lot as a prospect, and I liked when the 49ers picked him, and I expected to be higher than consensus on him going into the season. But boy, am I surprised because he's going as the quarterback 11 in FFPC leagues in the main event. His, you know, his ADP is quarterback 11. I think he might even be higher than that in the Football Guys Players Championship. So, you know, at that price, I don't think that I'm very interested, but um, I, you know, I thought I was going to be high on him, but uh, less so if that's his cost. Justin Fields, similarly, is going as the quarterback 12. So both of those a lot earlier than I expected. Um, so I would probably avoid Justin Fields at that ADP just because I'd rather have some of these guys that are going a little bit later. Um, like I would rather have Tua as my quarterback for fantasy than Justin Fields, just because I don't think Justin Fields would be starting right away, and I don't like carrying two quarterbacks on my rosters. And then even when Justin Fields gets in, you know, it's probably good for Allen Robinson, some of the other weapons, but he's still going to be hampered by Matt Nagy being his play caller. So I'd, I'd probably be a little bit lower than quarterback 12 on Justin Fields um, just because of opportunity cost and the other guys going – behind him and around him. Uh, I think Mac Jones as quarterback 20 is fine. Uh, Zach Wilson goes right next to him at quarterback 19. At least those guys are going to be starting the full season. But, uh, you know, those guys I think are pretty fairly priced. Maybe I would have Mac Jones a little bit higher, but, you know, he, he doesn't have the rushing upside, so that's probably about right. But, you know, uh, quarterbacks, there's, there's not a whole lot of value. Like, for me, if I don't get one of the – top couple of guys or Tom Brady, I'll, I'll just take Matthew Stafford or Ryan Tannehill as one of the last quarterbacks that's taken uh, as the, you know, a team's first quarterback. I'll just take Matthew Stafford or Ryan Tannehill and roll with those guys. Um, and I think Sam Darnold makes a good quarterback too. Like if you're in a super flex, I, I like taking Sam Darnold a little bit later. I think he's got a pretty a pretty solid upside. And then I've also been taking Mac Jones as my quarterback three in super flexes. Of course, now that he's named starter, he's moved up a little bit, but I think, I, you know, the quarterback ADP is pretty, uh, pretty solid for the most part. Um, Justin Herbert feels like he's going a little bit early to me, but um, he's settled down a little bit. Jalen Hurts feels like he's going early, but of course that's people hoping for some rushing upside. You know, quarterback eight feels a little bit rich, but um, that Dallas fan, that Houston, Houston, <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> I don't have a fandom. It's just 
it's because you it's because you're like whenever i think of pollard i think of noah Riddell, you know so it's like i just have like the dallas star imprinted in my brain you know it's just that it's just it just that's how it works i don't know yeah who do you cheer for do you, do you cheer for a team no no i don't cheer for a team i cheer for players that i like i don't like cheering for teams see dan this is why noah just like i said when whenever he's not doing this he's making money because he just he, he knows how to separate you know the, the, the emotions with like what what the hell he needs to do like, yeah the rest it of helps us. it helps not having much emotions <laughs> yeah well i'm i'm a, i'm ostensibly a vikings fan but uh you know after 50 plus years of such fandom uh you know i've, you're, you're I've, a I've learned to, you're a bad yeah. spouse <laughs> I am exactly. I, I, I've embraced the uh, the fantasy football industry just because I, you know, if I'm going to win a title, I'm going to have to do it on my own. I'm not going to be able to, you know, look vicariously through the Vikings. So, uh, Dan Masterson's asking, when do you think Lance starts? Feels like it might be a bit with the injury. What do you What do you think on that? Yeah, I think they were close to 50-50 on whether they were going to start him week one. And then with the little finger injury, I think that might delay a couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe two or three weeks before Lance starts. And I liked him a lot, but I expected that I would be able to get him around QB 20 or QB 22 ADP wise. I still think he's, he's good. And I think that the offense has some upside, but you know, they do run the ball a lot and, you know, he's going to have some rushing upside which is nice, but for a price of, you know, QB 11, I think that's a little bit rich for me just because he's not starting week one and I'm going to have to draft him as my QB one and then take another quarterback later to support it for the first couple of weeks, which just isn't something that I generally like to do. So I haven't ended up with much of Trey Lance for that reason. Yeah. And, you know, Trey Lance, an interesting topic, I think, when you're thinking redraft, especially with these big money tournaments. I, I found myself in, in scenarios where, you know, I picked up Kittle and, and Ayuk and it and it's, you know, you're 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 like, do I do I grab Lance here? Do I do I you know, it's, it's just because, again, you could you could be Mahomes circa his first season and Buddy's sitting on your bench. And like you said, he's going pretty early, you know, for, for the, the prices is, is, is a little hefty, you know, yeah. for assuming that he's going to give you that, the production to, to, to validate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the price is just the only thing that puts me off of them. I still think he's, I still think he's a good talent and I think their offense will be pretty good, but it's going to lean more heavily on running the ball than you would like. Um, <clears throat> I think Brandon, Ayuk goes too high. Personally, I would put him as a, it's a trap play uh, just because I don't think he'll have the volume consistently that you want him to have. If you're drafting him as a, you know, top, I think he's, he's taken as a wide receiver two right now. Yeah. He's taken yep. right there at the end of the wide receiver twos. Fifth, fifth round. Yeah. So, you know, fifth round is, you know, if it was fourth round, that would be really thin for me, but you know, he's not quite a fade at, you know, is, is, Debo, is Debo a better value a couple rounds later for you? A better value, yes. I would say that Brandon Ayuk should probably be taken before Debo Samuel, but I think it's a lot closer than their ADP. Um, mm -hmm. Debo Samuel, I think, goes at 707. I, I would like to see Brandon Ayuk maybe at like 608 and then Debo Samuel at 707. I think that makes more sense. 
Um, still, it's probably about where Debo Samuel should be going, but I think most of the 49ers ADP is a little bit too high just because I think that offense will be fairly spread out. Guys, if you're not sh- if you're not following Noah Riddell on the on the Twitter machine, you're you're missing out in in many ways. Not just in fantasy, like Dan said, he's uh, a little under the radar. Uh, I'll I'll give a shout out to Noah for this among among many things. I mean, he's uh, I appreciate all the goodness he brought tonight. Uh, like I said, our our biggest download um, it, a couple of years ago for for a reason, but just introduced me to crypto you know, just in general. And I know he smiles, but dude, like literally you're the, you're the only reason I went down that rabbit hole and it's benefited me and my family in many ways. And I, and I want to thank you for that. Cause I love going down those rabbit holes when it, when it's worth it, you know, and, and it was definitely worth it. And I've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I love kind of, uh, I was kind of picking your brain when we got on the mic earlier, just cause we haven't chatted in a while, but I appreciate you in fantasy and I, I appreciate you and hopefully our, our listeners and our audience tonight, uh, you know, along with all the goodness you drop can follow you out there in Twitter land and, and uh, get some of that goodness as well. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to do it. And uh, hope you guys have a lot of success this season with all of your teams and uh, go ship something. Let's do it. You too. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yes. Sure. Danny boy, another another good one. Uh, you always throw me off when the flow is not uh, in full effect, but that's all right. I'll get used to it eventually. I- I'm not going to show my lack of flow, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> anything to add? I know this was a big one. I know you, uh, you know, Noah's uh, another guest that you respect, another a friend of yours uh, out there in Twitter land. Anything to add? Uh, and and any advice? Because you know you're like the wise one on the show, and and. Guys, we're going into week one, man. This is it. This is, you know, we, we've planted flags. We've trade. We've done all that. It's time to perform. Dan, what are the wise words? Uh, I, I, the wise words are re-listen to this podcast and, you know, just not only catch the specifics of, of what we've gone over today, but also just, you know, it, it, there's a lot from Mark and Noah both about, you know, teaching you how to value players rather than, you know, What's, what are they, you know, how did they get to where they got on their player valuations? And to me, that's the most important thing of all is once you, once you kind of learn how to evaluate players on your own, then you have a lot more confidence in what you're doing when you're drafting. And it enables you, especially if you know what, what types of performance, you know, like uh, that was one of the things that Mark alluded to, you know, knowing, knowing how to pair a, a performer who's going to be a little bit more up and down with uh, somebody who's likely to be a little bit more steady and just building teams that way. So there's, there's a lot of goodness in this podcast, uh, you know, and so very, very well worth it. And, uh, you know, always enjoy having, having both Noah and Mark on. For sure, man. Noah and Mark, uh, uh, awesome guest tonight. Awesome show tonight. And, you know, just, just as we approach this, uh, this, this first game, the first, the first kickoff this week, Dan, we're going to give away two or three, uh, you know, little action on the FFPC. Our friends, the, uh, the FFPC, you want to get a last like best ball in there, $35. Uh, we'll hook you guys up with, with some uh, some little bonuses on the site. Tag Dan and I, Dan or I, at Goat District, at Override Sleeper, no E on the end, and we'll hook you guys up. We'll do a, a quick draw between now and kickoff. So you, whether you give us a, you know, shout out to the show, 
like on, on YouTube or a, a like on, on your favorite podcast platform. Show us that on Twitter machine and we'll enter you into the draw and we'll just, uh, we'll give out uh, maybe, maybe four or five, Dan, maybe four or five. We'll go, we'll go four or five, give back to, uh, to our listeners. You guys have been awesome all off season. I hope you guys benefited. I hope you guys digested all the goodness we brought. If you haven't checked out all the shows, especially the last couple months, guys, literally, you know, Noah is a perfect example and, and Mark, just some of the biggest players on, you know, in fantasy land. And if they're on here and they were brought here, there's a reason, guys. So if you're not following that goodness, make sure you are. Smash the like, smash the subscribe as usual. Check out myffpc.com, all our friends over at, at FFPC, Viridian Global. You see me with the hat, the True North gear on right now. Dan's got his DWZ. Shout out to the, the Dynasty Warzone, uh, Randy and the boys over there, Jerry. Guys, your favorite podcast, even your favorite players. You know, there's there's a, a, a Hawkinson shirt, Dan, with the with the Incredible Hulk uh, that I, that I'm going to be ordering soon, as well as a Gibby piece. But guys, go check it out and uh, stick with us this season, guys. We we helped you all off season. We got you ready to dominate your leagues. Let us know how you're doing and uh, tune in with us this season because we're going to help you just continue to dominate those leagues. Appreciate you. Check you all. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash off is the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. No, that was awesome, buddy. We, we appreciate all the goodness. And uh, you, you never even brought up that week one starter you were talking about. What, what was that guy you were talking about? Uh, the must start. 